Judge and Jury is not your ordinary crime podcast. Our intention is to bring awareness to unknown cases or those some are reluctant to talk about. We will provide facts on the case while discussing and offering opinions based on law, testimony, and evidence. Some topics may be controversial and unsuitable for children. However, if this sparks your interest, stick around while we dive in. Philly a city fraught for decades with tension between the predominantly white authorities and the black and other minority communities. For years, numerous instances have come to light of police brutality and the use of disproportionate force with lethal consequences. The corruption of police officer includes, but is not limited to, the fabrication of evidence against those suspected of criminal acts. In 1973, a federal judge for the U.S. District Court stated that police abuse occurred with such frequency in Philly that could not be dismissed as rare isolated instances or prevent police abuse. And I would say that's by design. In 1973, a federal judge for the U.S. District Court stated that police abuse occurred with such frequency in Philly that could not be dismissed as rare isolated instances and that city officials did little or nothing to punish or prevent police abuse. An investigation in 1978 by the Pennsylvania House of Representatives Subcommittee on Crime and Corrections found that a small but significant number of Philadelphia police that the subcommittee considered lawless. The investigation concluded that the level of police abuse have reached that of a homicidal violence. The police also dropped an aerial bomb on a house occupied by members of MOVE. In November 1967, 3,000 Philadelphia students left a class and gathered at the Board of Education to protest racial disparities in courses taught, demand African-American history courses, the right to wear Afros, and more. At the time, Rizzo was police commissioner and directed more than 100 officers in full riot gear to swarm the scene, swinging nightsticks and releasing police dogs. After two boys climb on top of a car, some claim to have heard Rizzo say, get their black asses. Rizzo later denies it. And on April 29, 1977, police brutally beat William Cradle in Society Hill. Witnesses testified that they saw police break their nightsticks while hitting Cradle. Rizzo is reported as saying, we have a very, very good police department and they're not brutal. It's very easy to break some of those nightsticks. During the trial, the officers testified to punching Cradle once after he resisted arrest and attacked them. The officer's defense attorney describes Cradle to the jury as a wild man of Borneo and mocks him for reportedly calling out for his mother while being beaten as the wild man of Borneo, and mocks him for reportedly calling out for his mother while being beaten. Sounds familiar. The all-white jury acquitted the three officers. On February 27, 1978, a police officer shot and killed 19-year-old Michael Carpenter in the back. Carpenter was unarmed. The officer was charged, but later pled guilty to involuntary manslaughter and was given five years probation. 
In June 1978, a police officer shot and killed a 30-year-old taxi driver who accidentally took the wrong taxi after a lunch break. The officer cocks his gun before searching the victim and claims it accidentally went off. A grand jury later says the officer was negligent but doesn't charge him. In 1979, the U.S. Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against the then mayor of Philadelphia, Frank Rizzo, and other city officials for condoning police brutality. The lawsuit insisted 290 persons shot by the city's officers between 1975 and 1978, and the majority of whom were from ethnic minorities. During Frank Rizzo's eight years as mayor, fatal shootings by the Philadelphia police officers increased by 20% annually. In the year after he left office, 1980, fatal shootings declined 67%. Mayor Rizzo appeared to tolerate police misconduct. In 1978, he told an audience of 700 police officers, even when you're wrong, I'm going to back you. Afro-Americans of this city are tired of legalized murder. We are sick of seeing death carried out, carried on by acts of legislation. We are heart sick at seeing men killed with law, homes ruined, children robbed of comfort, love, and affection by law, society outraged, morals undermined by the law. We are sick at seeing death carried on by acts of legislation children robbed of comfort, love, and affection by law, outrage, <clears throat> society outraged, morals undermined. I think it's probably best to discuss what this means um, for the Mumia. So with that, just seeing, I mean, and it's a lot more police brutality. These were just the ones that really stood out between that time uh, prior to the shooting of Officer Faulkner. You have a group move that Momia was associated with have one of their homes bombed by an aerial bomb at that, right? Okay, so you just go and you just dropping bombs on people's houses? Um, and it killed, I believe, like six people, which included children. And that was in like the 1970s, this was prior to, I think a year prior to Mumia's, um, everything that happened with Officer Faulkner and Mumia. But just looking at just this, it's the police had so much power, so much authority, and they had the backing of so many other political members in Philly that basically they could do no wrong. So if we think about like Mumia, you know, he's he's a journalist for a lot of these activists and, you know, covering court cases and all of, you know, corruption. So you see your brother being pulled over by the police. You want to go, you know, it's kind of like today or like George Floyd. People are not going to walk away. They're going to stand there and they're going to take their their cameras out. Well, in 1981, there were no cameras to pull out. I mean, maybe video cameras, but I doubt most people were riding around in, with video cameras in their vehicles. So if you see 
something, the old saying, if you see something, say something. You know, if you see something, if I saw police stopping my child or a family member or a friend or anything, I'm going to probably go by there too and say, hey, what's going on? So I can be a witness to it, especially with all of this happening. You know, with everything happening between 2020 and today, most people, whether they know you or not, are going to stop if they see you being stopped by the police on just a regular traffic stop. They're going to stop, pull out their phones. Or if you're, you know, being stopped by the police on the street, they're going to stop and pull out their phones because, I mean, because we already see what's happening. So in the 1960s to 80s, people didn't have faith in the police because of things like this happening. You shoot somebody or you, you know, you beat somebody and you're, you get, you know, you don't, you're not even charged. And if you're charged, you get probation. Um, I mean, what, in Chicago years ago, that Jaquan, I forgot his last name, was shot like 16 times plus. And the, the guy, probably because a lot of, you know, fighting, got six years. And that's still like six years. Um, We can go back to Rodney King. And look, I think all of those officers were acquitted. And it was filmed. You know, I think the guy who killed George Floyd, if there were not, if it was not so much protest by everybody, he probably would have gotten off. Exactly. Yeah, the civil unrest is what um, forces people to, you know, you know, a lot of people are, you know, people, even Black people are upset with the rioting and the protests and that sort of thing. But without that, you are not going to get the attention of the people that have the authority to press charges. It's not going to happen. And the more instances of somebody going through court and actually receiving some sort of conviction, the better the results are for us because it it gives the perception at least is that there is a penalty for taking somebody's life senselessly, senselessly. So, and I say that for a reason because um, as you're talking, I'm thinking about qualified immunity and why that's there. I understand that being in a situation where, like we said, you know, um, earlier in one of the outtakes, there is a lot that comes with policing. And you're not always going to make the right decision, maybe because of what's on your mind, family-wise, what you just left, the dip, the situation you just left, because you're going from emergency to emergency. Everybody's got a crisis that you are being called to. So um, with that said, you may not always make the right decision. And you should have the support of your superiors if you do make a mistake. If it's fatal, I understand that there should be consequences, but I do understand when I hear that quote as a leader, 
when I am guiding my team through, and even as a parent, when I'm guiding my child, I'm gonna have your back even when you are wrong. That don't mean you're not wrong, but I'm gonna support you. I'm gonna be there to help you get through it. And the only way you get people to be confident in your leadership is by saying that and not just saying and showing it. Is it the right type of leadership? We could argue that it's not. I argue that it's not the type of leadership you need, especially if you see a significant decline, 67% decline in the police brutality. It sounds like his leadership was beat their asses like like that was exactly what he was saying like we we need to be um elicit a lot of force and be brutal that was the type of leadership that he had and I am going to fall on the sword for you whether you are right or wrong I'm gonna make sure I take the fall for you but I think mm-hmm. good leaders in any situation whether the message is good or bad if you are a good leader if you want the support, the support of your subordinates, you really have to say, I got you even when you make the mistake. I'm not going to just throw you out there. You get what exactly. I'm saying? So right, yeah. I get that. But the qualified immunity, I think, is, is in question even right now, because at what point does the citizens' tax dollars not be what's up for grab? Because Every time these police officers do something, they fall, you know, they have qualified immunity and all those things. And so what happens is there's a civil lawsuit and they get granted all these millions of dollars. But that's not coming from the police. That's coming back from that's coming from the police budget, the the money that we have as citizens set aside. So it's not coming from the person that actually did you know committed the crime if we are saying mm-hmm. that it's a crime why isn't it coming from them and if exactly. like other professions you have to have insurance then maybe they should have have to have some type of casualty insurance and it affect your family's life now exactly. I have to pay more in taxes because of how brutally you are slaughtering my people exactly and that's you know like to your point you have doctors who have to have insurance because although they're trained, if they make a mistake, yeah, you may be able to sue the hospital or, you know, but you're not, but the doctor is going to be sued. The doctor and has to be liable. Liable they, as yes, well. They, and yeah, that goes you, with consequences. <laughs> and I, I understand like what you're saying as a leader, you know, my child, if, if my child does something, I'm not going to just like here, roll them under the bus and like, okay, well you do it. But it's, how much support I'm going to be there for you, but it's, I'm not going to be there to not tell you what you did was wrong. And that's a good leader as well. Like, yeah, I'm going to have your back in a sense, but it's not going to be to the point of now you just get away with this thing. And I think sometimes in police leadership, as we saw with this, you know, with Frank Rizzo, it was being more like, shit, like you said, go, you know, bust their heads to the white meat do whatever you feel his leadership was faulty it It was like exactly like I mean yes it what he was saying was wrong but he was able to get them to do what he wanted because he was uh, an effective leader whether it was good you know good leadership right right and uh, that's the thing and I think because I think it so many police officers continue to do what they do is because the consequences are less 
And like you said, if the if it hits your pockets, if it hits your house and your household, like if you make this mistake and you're sued, no, the police office, the police department isn't sued. Taxpayers don't have to cover this. Now you have to cover it. And now your livelihood, now you have to pay this family, mm-hmm. you know, millions. Mm-hmm of dollars because now there's a civil suit against you you have every to, time a you have a, a complaint this. a police brutality complaint and mm-hmm. aggressive uh com- just like with any other insurance every time mm-hmm. i have an accident my insurance is gonna insurance go up. so yep. the more type of complaints we have as it relates to this you're gonna have to pay a higher premium that would yep. make you change but that yep. kind of goes back to is it designed to be that way and so it's not i got the idea we can do it okay i say i think as a people we can make that because that's i I really believe that's a good thing kind of like what we said about the driving when i was young was i kind of reckless i sure was but i didn't i didn't have to pay my own insurance i didn't have i didn't think about those (laughs) things i'm serious so now that i'm an adult and i have to do these things now yeah it's coming i tell people (laughs) people don't take care of things unless it's theirs you know um children will write as a child i just use me i wrote on my mom's walls all the time let me see some some crayon on my, my kids wall. Been, my kids my kid has been writing on the wall she has been right, writing on the walls yes. exactly and then see <laughs> so. it's one of those like I'm not gonna I wouldn't get like overly upset because I didn't know I did it I remember yeah. one time my mom wouldn't let me in her room and I wrote in a green crayon in bubble letters sad <laughs> But yeah, it's, so. it's, when it's not, <laughs> I, I was not the right on the wall child. I, I, I was, my I mean, sister's example I, for sure. look, exactly. I kissed the wall with lipstick. It's and it wasn't <laughs> like because I was destructive, I was bad. But the thing is, if it's not yours, then you don't take as good of care. I used to go outside and I would wash my bike like it was I was washing a car. Why? Because it was mine. Because I cared about it, although I didn't pay for it, I cared about it. I wanted to make sure that it it rolled well and it did this. And I think again, going back to the insurance and the things like the police, not only are is your are your leaders having your back and not really. And I mean, I don't know what they're doing behind closed doors, reprimands or what you know what's going in your personnel file, but to the public, they have your back and they're not gonna you know like this person da 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 da. And it's also not hitting your pockets at home. Even if you, a lot of times we hear that these officers are suspended, but they're still suspended with pay or they're on desk mm-hmm. duty. So yeah, maybe you're not in the streets, but you're still getting paid. So what is the consequence? To your point, if we're driving, I get into an accident, my insurance is going to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't have that, you don't, you don't ever have to really pay for what you've done. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, and again, the civil unrest, that's, that's really the only time when that's when when the attention is there because there are situations where people's kids don't 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 get the news and that's why they say like the Al Sharpton and Ben Crump and those people actually being a part of it makes a difference because they bring the cameras while Mm -hmm. you know I would say you know to a certain extent you know we have criticism of them within the community but bringing the cameras are is important especially if it was your child you know you want some attention but in speaking of I know we need to wrap up but in speaking of um the like when we were talking about 
people what the reasons that people join the police force and what those are um and i have been of this um i have you know this was my train of thought at one point you you know you you have to join like if you want something to change you have to go in and change it you know we got to become more more police officers need to look like us but we have a lot that look like us and we've seen what that ha what happens with that and so um and and they are obviously good police officers we talking about the bad apples and not the good ones but um the system if it's a uh, systemic problem even just having a few good ones ain't gonna make a difference because of the group think what happens and we talked about group think as it pertains to juries i was just listening to something and but, i believe that but, that happens a lot of times in the police department too you have people mm -hmm, it who does want to do right and but then it's the perception of mm -hmm. oh you're not with us or right. you know now with them they have to deal with the bullying and mm -hmm. you know everything else or just the now we don't we don't have your back because you don't have our back even though you don't agree with what we're doing and our methods and Right. That's unfortunate that it's bullying and everything, and especially, you know, in the mm -hmm. criminal justice system where, you know, it's it's just And we see it. We world. knew it. We saw it in the military. Yep. I mean, it's just so much. I mean, there's so much to dissect with that whole situation. But the Audre Lorde quote is, for the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us to temporarily beat him at his own game but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. Racism and homophobia are real conditions of all our lives in this place and time. I urge each one of us here to reach down into a deep place of knowledge inside herself and touch that terror and loathing of any difference that lives here. See whose face it wears then the personal as the political can begin to illuminate all our choices. So that is the quote. But the quote, I think more than anything, the reason I um, even thought of that quote is because trying to use the, the master's tools to dismantle, dismantle the master's house, whether that is effective. You know, some have argued that it can be. I would say that Kamala Harris is probably an advocate of using the master's tools. She's living in that house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, there's so much to that. Audre Lorde was obvious. I don't know if she was a Black feminist, so, but she was definitely 